Welcome once again to Motos and Friends, a podcast by the editorial team at Ultimate Motorcycling. And of course, brought to you by the all new Suzuki Hayabusa. Check out the exciting new Hayabusa at SuzukiCycles.com or of course, go see it in person at your local Suzuki dealer. My name is Arthur Coldwells. This week, our featured moto is from The Motor Company, Harley-Davidson. Nick DeSena gives us his thoughts on the new, slightly sportier ST models of the street and road glide touring machines. These are directly influenced by West Coast custom culture and offer a really cool departure from the typical touring bikes they're based on. In the second segment, I chat with Nick Smith of Classic Avenue. He's a California-based auctioneer of some really nice motorcycles and cars. Nick originally came from over the pond and worked for some years with Bonham's Auctions, so his standards are extremely high. Looking over the website, there are some truly drool-worthy bikes up for auction. Nick gives us his thoughts on the market in general and why he believes his way of doing things makes all the difference. I hope you enjoy this episode. Are you ready for this? The all-new 2022 Suzuki Hayabusa motorcycle is here. Widely regarded as the ultimate sport bike, the third-generation Hayabusa by Suzuki melds two generations of refinement, resulting in the quickest, most technologically advanced and aerodynamic Hayabusa yet. Led by the Suzuki Intelligent Ride System, the new Hayabusa gives riders electronic rider aids like the quick shifter and cruise control systems that simultaneously increase performance and comfort. With even stronger acceleration, the Hayabusa's 1340cc inline four-cylinder engine and updated driveline deliver unmatched sport bike performance. And, staying true to its iconic design, the new Hayabusa's straighter and sharper lines make it the most aerodynamic Hayabusa ever. Plus, it comes in three new head-turning color combinations and offers a full suite of available Suzuki genuine accessories you can choose from. These revolutionary superbikes are flying off the showroom floor, so head into your local Suzuki dealer now or visit SuzukiCycles.com to learn more. The ultimate ride awaits. So the 2022 Harley Davidson Street and Road Glide ST models. Those are the the latest iterations of the quite popular uh, road and, and street glide, uh, which is part of the the overall grand touring, or you know, as we just call it, the the touring lineup for Harley Davidson. What is the different? What are the principal differences? Is it the the fairing? Is it the road glide has the frame mounted fairing, and the street glide has the bat wing? Correct. The street glide has the fork mounted fairing, so the the fairing is bolted directly to the fork, and that presents some slightly different handling characteristics when compared to the road glide, which uses a frame mounted fairing again bolted directly to the frame. And uh, the main difference that you might experience between the two is there's there are some, some changes between the riding position, but in terms of the handling characteristics, because the bat wing fairing of the street glide is bolted directly to the fork, it is a little bit more susceptible to uh, influence from sort of gusts of wind and things like that. Now we're not talking anything that's major, but you can notice it when you're riding up against a road glide, which has a fairing 
that is affixed to the frame directly. So it is less susceptible to that kind of uh, external influence, we'll say. So the batwing fairing tends to sort of, if it's going to have any influence, it tends to put it into the bars, I would say. I mean, it tends to sort of shake the bars a little bit, obviously because it's mounted on that front steering. Whereas the frame mounted fairing, if it's going to have any influence, it's gonna really run through the chassis a little bit more. Yeah, so the, the chassis kind of absorbs a lot of that. And again, this is a very subtle you know, difference between the two. So that's not something I, I want to really harp on and sort of no. kind of exaggerate, but, but it is something that you'll notice between the two motorcycles because spec for spec, number for number, the two bikes are virtually the same in, I would say 95% of the ways. I think it comes down to looks a lot of it. I mean, I always just felt that the, the road glide, the big, the big frame mounted fairing, I always felt like I was sitting behind an ATM machine. Whereas, you know, whereas the Batwing always just sort of talked to me. I just had an emotional connection to the look of it. I don't know why. So back in the days when I owned a Harley, it was a Batwing fairing, but that's purely personal choice. Just down Yeah, there. there's some aesthetic choices in there as well. Uh, functionally for me, the Road Glide sits you back just a tad further. Um, and it also increases the reach to your infotainment system. And the gauges are a little bit more spread across the entire fairing so it's not as centralized as the the street glide with its batwing fairing which yeah. you do sit just a little further further up slightly more aggressive riding position it's still quite relaxed still a touring motorcycle but you are in closer proximity to that screen so it does make yeah. manipulating the infotainment system a little bit easier and all of the various uh dashes and gauges and things like that are um, much more centralized on the street yeah. glide as well. I always felt much more connected to the Batwing version. I just, it just does. But again, it's such personal preference. It really makes no difference. Yeah, there, there's subtle differences and they are definitely perceivable when you ride a street and a road glide back to back, regardless of the model. But right, right now we're talking about the uh, street glide and road glide ST, which take a, a dash of influence from the uh, championship winning king of the baggers race bike and uh to be more specific the factory harley davidson screaming eagle uh, road glide special or specials i should say written by kyle wyman and travis wyman and then the other really big influencing factor for the st models is just west coast styling in general it's it's been a trend for i would say going on at least quite strong for near 10 years at this point where we've seen a lot of more uh, sportier, we'll say, uh, baggers. And uh, that even gets extended into FXR trends, Dyna trends. So people raising suspension, um, increasing travel length, tightening up the bags, you know, making them just a little bit more uh, versatile uh, so you can get more out of that motorcycle. And that's something that we've really seen explode on the West Coast for a number of years. And it has influenced V-Twin culture across the United States and globally uh, to an extent as well. But the ST models are really sort of trying to tie those two things together. So their recent uh, race win and championship win in the 2021 King of the Baggers Racing Series, which uh, followed a few rounds of the 2021 Moto America Superbike Championship and the sort of West Coast uh, 
bagger styling, performance bagger styling. And that's really what the, the ST is trying to capture the essence of. So is the ST a supplemental model? I mean, are there other models within this, the same look, the same range? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the ST is, is an addendum to the quite fleshed out Grand Touring uh, fleet, which includes, you know, the standard street and road glide models, the I see. street and road glide special, and then you have your limiteds, your CVOs, and it just kind of goes through all of the ranks. So the STs are essentially um, sort of slightly more sporting versions. Correct. Correct. That's what they're going for. So okay, nice. with that motif, uh, you know, visually, as Harley does with a lot of things, focuses on the visual appearance and the presentation of the bike. They've really honed in on the darker aesthetics that come with a lot of the West Coast style bikes. So a lot of blacked out componentry across the, the engine. Um, and all of the accessory bits as well and components. And that's for both models. Uh, it's also using the classic uh, Drop H uh, Harley logo. And that was seen and sort of revived on the Lowrider S, probably been used in other, other applications before, but uh, it is one of the, the classic logos that date, date back to the 20s or 30s, if I'm remembering my, my American V-Twin history properly. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beyond that, the, the functional and mechanical changes really just kind of go for the, the sort of, uh, you know, performance bagger motif. So with that, we're seeing the 117 CI Milwaukee 8 engine come down from the CVO line. And previously, that engine was exclusive to the CVOs. Now it's being used in the ST models. Uh, and that also includes the low rider uh, S and Lowrider ST. Very nice. So you get an extra bump in torque, uh, something like nine foot-pounds of torque when compared to the 114. Wow, that's quite significant. That's that's just quite big. It is. Almost 10 foot-pounds of torque, yeah. Yeah, and... You'll notice that on the road, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a definite, definite uptick. Um, you know, it's still the same Milwaukee 8 that we all kind of fell in love with when it came out a number of years ago uh, now, because it's been on the market for, for a good minute um, and a huge, huge improvement over twin cam. <laughs> but you're really dealing with, uh, you know, 127 foot pounds of torque. Harley Davidson does not uh, typically report horsepower numbers. And that torque is achieved or peak torque figures is achieved at a very low uh, 3750 RPM. So the bike revs out to something like uh, if I was looking at the dash and paying attention to that while hitting rev limiter, it'd be something just south of the, you know, the six grand area. So truly in the mid range of the motorcycle, you're getting all of wow. what the bike has to offer. Um, and, you know, that, that's sort of the thing with the Milwaukee 8. It really improved on smoothness. Uh, eliminated a lot of vibration and the fueling is is excellent so you know there's no rider modes to choose from or anything like that and truth be told you don't need them on a bike like this you just twist the grip and go and have all that stump pulling power sure. you know, available on a limb and uh, you know one of the other big benefits of the Milwaukee 8 was just improving hit heat dissipation and with the ST models specifically 
they also come with a few screaming eagle bits uh, to really try to drive that connection to the uh, the Harley Davidson screaming eagle factory bikes. Um, so it has a high performance cam inside of it, has the 117 heavy breather air intake, uh, sort of juts forward, sort of like the the race bikes. Um, and it also has a tuned exhaust, and that's how we're getting that uh, CVO equivalent torque figure that we mentioned earlier, 127 foot-pounds of torque. The only criticism I have with the engine directly is the heavy breather, and this, this thing has been used in a number of different applications. It does jut out pretty far, so when you're reaching for the rear brake... You bang your knee. Yeah, yeah, you're shaking your knee depending on how tall you are. Right. And this is really going to come down to the foot control configuration on that motorcycle. I think on lowrider rest and things like that, I may have not noticed it just because well, you're not dealing with floorboards on a bike like the lowrider. Whereas this, your feet are a little bit more forward. So you do have a tendency to, well, use the floorboards. And when you're reaching for the rear brake and you do it with some exuberance, you know, you kind of, <laughs> stop up against that and like meh, meh. <laughs> it, it's all good you know it's uh it's kind of like riding the well it's nowhere near like riding sorry <laughs> the bmw r uh, r18 with the jugs just placed directly out. in front of you and you're you're just kind of sitting there going oh okay so <laughs> it's a lot better than that but anyway <laughs> okay Okay, so not to kind of keep harping on the, on the engine, but overall, the M8 is, you know, the M8 that we first saw in, if I remember right, was that 17? Yeah, 17. Right. Um, when it was first launched, and it's been quite the boon for, for Harley-Davidson in many ways, because it improved on just a variety of things with, with their power plant. Any changes to the, uh, the six-speed gearbox, or...? I mean, have they changed the ratios or, or anything? No, like no, 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 no. Um, so we're still dealing with a uh, belt final drive and, you know, it still uses the six-speed cruise drive gearbox. So overall, it has that classic kind of chunky V-twin shifting nature where yeah. you do need to put... Um, Deliberate you know, effort into it. Yeah, yeah, you know. Absolutely. It's, it's very smooth shifting. It transitions from gear to gear nicely uh i would i would even go as far as calling it a very slick transition the one thing that people will notice and v-twin aficionados will be more than accustomed to is that these gearboxes tend to be ratioed a little bit longer so you have these nice long throws between everything and it's just not this super tight sport bike experience yeah that you might you might find on your average <laughs> Japanese sport right. bike, and and with and with nearly hundred and thirty foot pounds of torque, you don't need it. You just put it no. into gear and just ride the thing. Yeah, so that's that's sort of the thing with these motorcycles is, so they have six gears, right? right. And I use the first, second, and sixth, and <laughs> that's kind of how it works. Right. And right. I, I'm exaggerating, but the the reality is you you set out you put it in second gear and you go, okay. And then you, you get up to highway speeds. It's in sixth gear and, you know, even limping along at, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour, the, the engine in sixth gear is still just going to use all that torque and just pull you back up to freeway speeds happily. 
you know, if you really drop down there into, you know, 30 miles an hour, you'll get some lumpiness as with any V-twin. Of course. Regardless of its, its make, model, or, or national origin. But, um, you know, it's, it has a, an immense amount of torque. So really, you can just be incredibly lazy with the shifting. You just find a gear that works for your particular situation and kind of chug along. And that's sort of the beauty of these high torque touring machines is, well, you're out there touring, relaxing, having a good time. Who needs to shift? Enjoy the ride. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's obviously the the strength of that that particular you know machine and configuration. Yeah, and the the one the one benefit um, that has kind of come into fruition in the past few years is with the uh, Reflex Defense Rider system. So that's uh, Harley Davidson's uh, electronic rider safety aid package. Basically, um, they do have one one thing that does affect the gearbox in an indirect way, sort of, um, their drag torque slip control. So that's essentially an electronic aid that helps reduce wheel hop. And it's incredibly effective. You know, even slamming the gearbox down aggressively and just dumping the clutch and stuff like that, it, it will activate and pretty much eliminate all of that uh, uh, sort of hyper aggressive engine braking if you really spike the revs and for a touring model like this you know obviously you're not going to be riding it in that capacity but there are times where you might have to decelerate quite quickly and you're getting on the brakes and shifting and everything's happening at once and it's it's a nice little rider aid. cool and that feature is part of the rdrs system that is about a thousand dollar uh an option and it comes with lean angle traction control coronet abs so it does come with a lot of rider aids then uh it can if if you go for the option on cvo models it's standard on uh models below that it, it is an option is there value there do you think yeah yeah I, I i see value in the adjustable traction control uh there's a rain mode and a standard mode you just kind of flip between the two on on the fly you can also disable it um, if you want to do burnouts at Sturgis because you have to, and, um, <laughs> and, uh, the cornering ABS, I think is a, an extremely beneficial feature. Um, ABS is standard and there's linked braking as well. Meaning when you activate one, one end of the braking, uh, system, whether it's front or rear, the bike will adjust its braking between the front and rear brakes depending on the situation. So for example, if you were to just come into a corner or uh, need to stop, do some sort of emergency stopping situation, and you really hammer on the front brake, even if you do not activate the rear brake as the rider, it will engage the rear brake according to how much front brake you're applying to help slow you down safely. And for a bike like this, again, a large, heavy, uh, V-twin touring bike, um, and any any of the large touring motorcycles, I think, really benefit from uh, systems like that. So that that's just my personal take on it. Sure, awesome. Um, what else is new on there? Anything? Uh, anything else? I assume all the lighting and everything's LED and, and what have you. Yeah, yeah. So you still have the Daymaker headlight, things like that. Um, nice. The main things are well, 
stripping stuff away. So with the sort of West Coast styling, um, you'll see a lot of solo seats. So that means, you know, just kind of a, a, a nip tucked uh, saddle. So you don't have the, the passenger um, uh, seating and uh, those passenger foot pegs are gone. There's also an abbreviated front fender. Typically um, the front fender drops down a considerable amount more. It also uses the, the standard bags instead of the bags that you might see on the special or CVO models, which are larger, uh, noticeably on the CVOs because they sort of drape down and almost start covering uh, the ends of the tailpipe. Um, and again, the, the bags play an important role in this whole sportier motif that they're trying to achieve, which visually uh, the standard bags kind of raise the profile of the motorcycle up. It, it visually gives it more ground clearance and then functionally it does as well. Um, and the interesting thing is according to Harley staff, based on the, the manner in which they have to measure uh, lean angle or maximum lean angle uh, with uh, SAE standards. It is actually the same between the base model road glide and the special and the ST, which is 32 degrees on the right and 31 on the left. Now, in practice, I would say it's a bit more than that. Um, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that it's dramatic, a dramatic change between each model, but the ST does allow for a little bit more ground clearance. Um, and so while it might be a visual thing, and it's definitely an, an aesthetic uh, choice in this, in this application for the ST models, whether we're talking street or road glide, it, it actually does have a, a, a functional benefit. Um, again, not a huge amount of increased lean angle, but uh, a perceptible amount for sure. Interesting. And, and interestingly, when we were in Arizona riding these bikes, uh, we had a little opportunity to run them around any Indy Motorsports ranch. And we rode them on the racetrack for, you know, a, a handful of laps. And that's kind of where I noticed it the most. And then just in the canyons, it was kind of you're riding along and you think, okay, well, usually I touch down here on the base model special, but okay. Oh, okay. Now the floorboards are kind of you know, just grazing the, the asphalt a little bit. So yeah, it, it's there. But I think the, the biggest takeaway is the, the visual sort of uh, boost that it gives. Right. But basically the casual street rider, unless you're trying pretty hard, they've got plenty of ground clearance and they're really, it's not going to be a factor. Yeah, I mean, for, for most, most touring riders, I'd say they're in good shape. And the truth is, you know, some guys like grinding their, their floorboards, who knows, you know, yeah. do your thing cool. but uh <laughs> no i mean it, when you're riding a touring bike you kind of got to settle in and uh, if you're coming at it from a sport rider's perspective then you definitely need to shift your your goals for that for that trip it's you, you need to enjoy the atmosphere and and the scenery instead of trying to turn it into a picasso painting right <laughs> Yeah. Um, anything, uh, any changes on like the paint? Is there any, you know, differentiated paint paint schemes or anything? Yeah. Yeah. So again, with this whole blacked out thing, um, the components, most of them are blacked out. They've also gone to a matte dark bronze finishes. So uh, you'll see this on say 
you know, various bits on the engine, uh, some of the, the badging, for example, like the 117 on the heavy breather sort of matches that, that dark matte bronze. Um, and then the, the wheels as well. And this is kind of a nod to the, the low rider S when it first came out, because it really, really leaned on that black and gold sort of deal. And this is in that same vein as well. Um, and then there are two colorways for the, the ST models, uh, regardless whether it's street or road. Road Glide, um, you have a vivid black, which as you'd imagine is black. <laughs> and fairly vivid. Yes, quite vivid. <laughs> and um, uh, interestingly, there's only one, one vivid black model on this press trip and it was a uh, parts and accessories bike with um, all sorts of goodies bolted onto it from the various collections that these models have tied to them. I, I do prefer the look of the black uh, bagger myself, just because it looks a little bit more mean and it's cool. And that's the, the base price um, for that. And then for $575 more, you get the gunship gray, which is kind of a nod to what we've seen in a lot of different uh, custom car culture. And um, uh, you'll see it in a lot of European cars, uh, drift cars. Uh, typically it's known as Nardo gray in those circles. Here, gunship gray still fits, uh, definitely has that whole battleship gray to it. And um, it looks good. It also pops in photos, which is, um, you're always a little, little worried about that. <laughs> um, with some of these, these more kind of um, muted color choices. I think the badging on the gray pops nicely, and I, I really dig the look of that. And so that that's something that I'm I'm very much into. Sort of the other aesthetic things, like I mentioned before, sort of the the, the various blacked out bits all throughout the engine. There still is a little bit of chrome there, um, so the pushrod covers are, are chromed out. The engine jug fins are machined, and you just get a little bit of um, chrome accent there. But really, re realistically. This is your more, you know, we'll say uh, darker themed bagger. Again, trying to pick up on that performance look, you know, just a little bit more, more kind of menacing if we'll go that far. But you know, that sort of deal. Sounds great. What's the uh, what's the price the price point doing? Is it slightly cheaper than than the other versions, or is it slightly more expensive? Uh, well, it's definitely cheaper than CVOs because CVOs are the oh, of course, top of the of heap. Course, yeah hand painted everything yeah for sure touring line and uh sky's the limit in terms of price segments with the st model uh it starts at uh 29 so thirty thousand. um and with that gunship gray you know plus 575 and then uh if you get the rdrs safety package then uh you know add a thousand to that now some of the other changes that come along for this year or for the ST models specifically, it's gonna be uh, upgraded shocks in the rear. So compared to the base model road and street glide, they use shocks that have 2.1 inches of suspension travel. That is definitely on the lower spectrum when we're talking about suspension travel. Definitely not a lot, I would say. It's not a lot to, not a lot to work with when you're dealing with bikes that are well in excess of 800 pounds wet. Um, so my direct reference point for the STs, uh, the last 
uh, street or road glide I used was from the special series. So that's the really slammed, you know, um, low rider kind of baggers uh, in the, the standard Harley lineup. Compared to that, the extra bit of travel does benefit these motorcycles quite a bit. You know, you, you get a little bit extra travel in the rear, still the same Showa dual bending valve fork in the front, non-adjustable. Um, soaks up everything nicely, keeps the bikes on track, you know, whether you're riding the road or the street glide. And in the rear, it does deal with bigger hits, I would say an appreciable amount better than your standard or special road glides or street glides. So those major hits, it does deflect them to a noticeable degree. Um, the one thing that we did pick up on, or I picked up on while riding these bikes through the you know Sonoran Desert in Arizona, um, when you're kind of faced with, uh, it's I guess the best way to describe it is sort of washboard asphalt. Anything that requires the suspension to just use those really, you're not really going through the entire stroke of of the of the the suspension travel. You're just using you know just the, the upper portion. And sort of initiating and doing it in repetition. So a lot of like that, 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 that sort of stuff. The damping can read as harsh in those circumstances. So um, yeah, I, I think there's some room for improvement there. It is a step above the standard and special models in the touring fleet, but there's still room for improvement yet. Okay. And if you look at the competitors in the touring class overall, whether you're talking about V-Twin or... Uh, Japanese or uh, European, the, the the three inches of suspension travel that it has been bumped up to, because again, we got to remember that it went from 2.1 to three inches on the ST models. Um, you know, three inches is still on the, the lower side of the suspension travel spectrum when we're looking at touring machines as a whole. So improvement, yes there's still improvement yet to be made. And right. Harley's also keen to remind you guys that um, they have Olin's Screaming Eagle fully adjustable shocks for sale. If you want to upgrade from there, you know, that's here and over there, your choice. Um, but uh, they do look pretty cool. So, and they're fully adjustable. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. Yeah. And the other big, big benefit um, of these shocks with the additional suspension travel is does raise the rear end of the bike of the street or road glide up just just a little bit if you were to compare seat heights between models uh, i think the seat height of the special street and road glide is 26.1 and these are 26.7 so it does jack up the rear just a hair and actually with that again you're getting a little bit more ground clearance and it does make the bikes handle just that extra step better um, it makes turning in, initiating turn just a little bit, you know, done with a little bit more exuberance. And you, I feel like you get just a little bit more stability. Again, the street and road glides have always been extreme, extremely stable motorcycles. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with, you know, huge 64 inch wheelbase, pretty moderate 2060 degree rake. And then they also, uh, Harley's one of the few brands that actually cites fork angle you know, kicked out another 3.25 degrees, that sort of stuff really speaks to stability, which on a touring bike, 
that's kind of your thing. You're, you're going long distance. You just want to be calm and cool and controlled. And that's sort of my take on touring. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this bike sounds like it's going to appeal to people who um, don't live on these big, wide, flat, straight roads, like the kind of stuff around Chicago or Florida. These are going to be more people that live, you know, perhaps in, you know, where they where they do have some twisties and they do have have some corners and they do a lot of straight line riding, but they also can do some, you know, spirited cornering riding. I mean, like the typical stuff you get around Sturgis, for example. I mean, there's a lot of guys that like like to yeah. ride these these bikes, you know, in a sporting fashion. Um, and I think these will this will really appeal to them. I think it sounds great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not not just because of the the aesthetic choices, but there there are some functional benefits here when we take a look at uh, the base and special models. Sure. And they're not buying a bunch of stuff that they don't want, and they're going to take off the bike. Yeah. In this case, they're getting a lot of the benefits that they would have added to this motorcycle already and basically stuff that they were going to strip off. Um, that said, speaking of things that are removed, the ST models save roughly 13 pounds when compared to their equivalent special uh, model. So Interesting. Okay. you are saving some weight. And, you know, again, that's stuff like the foot pegs or the passenger foot pegs being removed, no passenger seat, that sort of thing. So um, it, it's, it's a noticeable thing for sure. Cool. Okay. Overall, it sounds like you really like the bike and you like like this particular direct. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a direction that I really enjoy myself. If I were to build a bagger or you know buy a bagger, this is the direction I would go in. I think I would take it even further because there are far more extreme examples coming out of the West Coast. I mean, sky's the limit in terms of uh, customization. So as as far as your mind can imagine and your wallet can reach. We'll put it to like that. Sure, sure. But this is a good starting point, definitely. For sure, for sure. And I really do enjoy the fact that Harley Davidson has looked at these custom cultures um, and also obviously really leaning into the fact that they just won the King of the Baggers Championship. As, as uh, one of their lead designers, um, or their lead designer, sorry, put it, it's a conversation between the the consumer and the manufacturer. And so Harley's looking at the trends, they see what's applicable, what can be done and what can be put into production. And so, you know, that's something that we saw with the Lowrider S that was really sort of the, at least in my opinion, one of the obvious signs of Harley Davidson really picking up on kind of West Coast custom culture in a more modern sense. And with this, this is just another step in that direction of picking up on custom culture and and really sort of uh, uh, taking some of that DNA and, and building it back into the brand. And they've done this in countless other iterations. You know, think back to like early 2000s with sort of the big wheel uh, baggers and things like that. And you, you saw a lot of the, the CVOs start rocking those things. But, um, you know, I, I think it's an interesting thing. But, you know, one of the other things that I do want to touch on between these two motorcycles like we mentioned before, the riding positions are a little bit different. So interestingly, you know, with the street glide, the riser handlebars don't come back as far. So it does can't you just that extra hint forward when compared to the road glide. For me, what that is always translated to is just a little bit more feeling out of the front end of the street glide um, with the road glide because you're just a little bit, uh, you know, leans back that extra hint more, we'll say, 
um, you're just not, not as connected. You don't have that intimate relationship with front end that you would on the street glide. Again, we're talking about shades of gray here and um, between the two in terms of hard parts, they're quite homogenous, but that's the key difference for me when talking about a street or a road glide. And it also changes the mentality when riding those bikes. I find when I get on a street glide, tend to be just a little bit more hyperactive in the, the twisty bits and on the road glide, because I'm sat back a little bit more kind of distanced away from that fairing kind of signals just to kind of relax, enjoy the ride at just that extra bit. Um, and really, you know, listening to this podcast, everything we've said about these bikes applies to both the street and road glide models. Um, those are the key differences between those two bikes. Um, but uh, when we're talking engine, suspension, chassis, colorways, all that good stuff, they're the same. The main differences are riding position, thanks to the handlebars, and the fairings. And that's pretty much it. So there you go. And the last thing you guys have in there um, is the boom exclamation point box GTS infotainment system. That's uh, a really weird way to write something. Just I've always <laughs> had trouble with that one. <laughs> well, but they both but they both come with it. Yeah, definitely. Of the infotainment systems out there, whether we're talking uh, Indian Honda, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, Harley has always done a really good job of making these things extremely easy to navigate. Um, and of course, they support Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, so you can connect whatever smartphone you feel like to it. The sound system is super loud, even with a full face helmet, earplugs, and all that good stuff. And um, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for the, the 2022 Harley-Davidson Road and Street Glide ST models. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the insight as always. Um, they sound great. Awesome. All right. Talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks. In this second segment, I chat with Nick Smith of Classic Avenue. He's a California-based auctioneer of some really nice motorcycles and cars. Nick originally came from over the pond and worked for some years with Bonham's Auctions, so his standards are extremely high. Looking over the website, there are some truly drool-worthy bikes up for auction. Nick gives us his thoughts on the market in general and why he believes his way of doing things makes all the difference. I hope you enjoy this episode. Are you ready for the revolutionary new 2022 Suzuki Hayabusa motorcycle? Hailed as the ultimate sport bike, the third generation Hayabusa melds two generations of refinement, resulting in the quickest, most technologically advanced and aerodynamic Hayabusa ever. Its Suzuki Intelligent Ride System 1340cc inline four-cylinder engine and updated driveline deliver unmatched performance. Plus, it comes in three new head-turning color combinations and offers a full suite of available Suzuki Genuine accessories that you can choose from. The ultimate ride awaits, so head into your local Suzuki dealer now or visit suzukicycles.com to learn more. looks like I'm looking at a classic avenue of cars behind me, but I think that is a cunningly woven virtual background. <laughs> uh, it is, it is. And uh, 
do you, do you want do you want that? That's 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 actually my warehouse. Yes, very nice, very nice. And I, I, if I could work out how to get rid of that and go back to me. No, I'd no, no, out. please, please don't. No, no, no. It's uh, you sure. No, that's that's uh, it's uh, very nice. Very nice to be looking at it. Other than arguably the world's ugliest cruiser bike, um, the BMW. What was it? Did you, really, we have to talk about that. <laughs> it, well, it's ugly. It, 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 it followed me home. You know, <laughs> I, I fed it once. It wouldn't leave. <laughs> didn't but didn't uh, who was it? Was it Pierce Brosnan? I think wrote that in a in a Bond movie. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Well, well, if you if you look carefully. To its immediate left is a burgundy version as well. It's it's the R twelve hundred C, which is a fabulous piece of kit and everything, um, in every uh, uh, respect whatsoever, apart from it being a motorcycle. You know, it's it's interesting because um, uh, a, a couple of friends of mine, sort of way back when, when they were you know in the early two thousands, who were not motorcycle people, but had decided that they wanted to kind of. You know, this was back in the sort of you know midlife crisis two thousands when all the boomers were were jumping on bikes. <clears throat> Those bikes seem to attract the less established motorcycle guys. In other words, everybody, all the baby boomers were all like, "I've got to get myself a Harley, got to get myself a Harley," and all of these guys were like, "No, no, no! This BMW is the most beautiful bike I've ever seen," and it's quite interesting because, although it wasn't particularly to my taste, it it sort of seem to generate interest from those who who weren't just died you know like prejudiced with the the harley you know kind of cruiser mentality they had a much more open mind to to different bikes and did you find that is that kind of where you came from i, I think that that's i think that's uh, even true today a, a friend of mine a journalist was um was with the new bmw the uh was it the r18 and right. uh, and and made a point of of stopping where the Harley guys were hanging out, and um, and they were intrigued. You know, yeah. it, it, it's it's the same sort of architecture, it's the same sort of ergonomics, it's the same sort of feel, but with a European feel to it and fantastic build quality. I mean, you can't. I'm, yeah. I'm not a BMW guy. I just it's it's the boxer twin. I just don't I don't get on with it. It's just, but I I appreciate it immensely as yeah. being a, a, a beautiful piece of kit. I, I appreciate it for the sort of the out of the box thinking. Like I say, absolutely not to my taste at all. I mean, I, I sort of the first time I looked at one, I think my head exploded. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I can appreciate it for them just going, you know, what? we want to get in on the cruiser side of things. Let's just do it from a clean slate. If we just try and copy Harley, we're going to look stupid. So let's right. just do something at a clean sheet of paper right. and just do it our way and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, 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 how would BMW really, build it if, uh, oh, we are BMW. Okay, fine. Well, let's yeah, build it our way. I, I admire that sort of thinking. So I've been I've been perusing your your website, classicavenue.com. Thank you. Uh, but, but aren't you Nick Smith from Bonhams? I mean, what, what happened there? <laughs> There was life after Bonhams. There was life there was before life. Bonhams as well. <laughs> okay, all right. I just, I just spent quite a lot of my life at, at Bonhams. Quite a shocking amount, actually. Um, great, great I learning was, curve. I was with Bonhams. I, I guess great learning curve, and that really got you into not just the love of of classic bikes and and classic machinery, but 
but clearly into the auction. So how did how did you get into that? I mean, you and I are about the same age. So how the heck did you fall into that? <laughs> I, I changed career in, in 2002, made a complete about face. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I it was it was a choice of um, taking my love of at the time it was classic cars um, and, and exotic cars, etc. And um, I literally um, bumped into the manager of, of an exotic car dealership in Beverly Hills uh, one evening and um, hounded him for a job. And I started at Symbolic uh, in Beverly Hills. I was there for about a year. Um, and then they invited me down to, to San Diego. I was the Bentley sales manager in, in San Diego in their La Jolla store. We nice. had um, Bentley Rolls-Royce, Lamborghini, um, uh, Lotus, Spiker, and then Bugatti. Um, and uh, I enjoyed that for a few years down there and then wanted to get back to Los Angeles. So I came back and um, uh, took up a point at, uh, as the Bentley sales manager in Beverly Hills. Um, did that for a while. And then 2007, the downturn in the market hit. So I went and hid with, with a normal paycheck and, and I, want, I really wanted to explore a different facet of the, of the industry. Um, Bentley Beverly Hills didn't deal with classics at all. We had the most phenomenal classics in San Diego, but, uh, but Beverly Hills was all new cars. So I wanted to get back to classics and discovered the, um, the, the auction business. So uh, landed a position at, uh, at Bonham's Auctioneers um, and was there for a little while, about a year or so. We had a big summit meeting and it was announced in the summit meeting um, that they wanted to bump up their presence in the United States with, uh, with a motorcycle department, actually, you know, forge a proper motorcycle department, turned to me and said, then Nick, we want you to do it. I said, I don't know anything about bikes. And they said, well, <laughs> you, you've got one. And I said, well, I know about that one. And they said, don't worry, we've got a budget, buy some books and go and talk to some people. And it's literally what happened. I, I didn't, I didn't know classic, I'm, I'm old. So, so classic bikes, as we know them now, were just the old things that I used to ride around when I was a kid. Um, I was into motorcycling when I was a kid, quite heavily, and um, and then you know moved over here in my early twenties and lost all of that, and um, so we sort of got back into it. And the and the motorcycle people, um, <laughs> so they took me under their wing, but it's kind of kind of a bit twee. But uh, but they really did. I mean, the, the motorcycle crowd are just it's a different world to, to cars completely. It's, they're, they're just a wonderful group of people. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, forged ahead with that. Did that for um, just over ten years. Um, made an interesting move, wanting to get back into the car trade a little bit. Went to Barrett Jackson Auctioneers and uh, and did that for a little while. And um, and that wasn't really for me. That was that was too big for me. I I don't do things that that size. Um, and uh, and then just kicked around. And my wife said, "What are you doing? Why don't you just do this for yourself? You're enjoying yourself and you're making money. Why not do it?" So. He took a leap. Yeah, that's great. So how long has, it sounds like Classic Avenue, so you sound like you might be three or four years old? Or? It's um, June of 19 we started. Okay. Um, just in time for uh, family issues. So I had to spend some time back in England right as we started it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Got back, got that all cleared up. 1st of January 2020, let's go. And then COVID hit, um, <laughs> and uh, so forging through COVID, and uh, and then uh, and last year, and um, uh, you know, getting getting through it. I had a great time. I had a great, had a great couple of years. Uh, business was great, but now this year we're, uh, we're we're taking on a bit of a new initiative, and 
and get a bit serious about it. Good for you. Yeah, COVID's, COVID's been an interesting, interesting phenom. I mean, there were sort of um, as horrendous and as bad as it, as it has been, and, and as much as we all wish to God it had never happened, there have been these sort of odd, quirky sort of silver linings to it. And at some level, I would imagine your business is probably part of that. And people are sort of sitting around and they're polishing their highly collectible bikes or their, their beautiful things. And they're sort of sitting around wanting to make changes. And, oh, you know, I could sell that and maybe buy this. And is that, have you oh, yeah. found that's really happened? Oh, without doubt. Without doubt. There was, you know, a phenomenal amount of money. People being paid to stay home. They were being paid to, to not work. And they, were, they were, had nothing else to do, nowhere else to go but sit on the internet and buy old classic cars and motorcycles. It was, it was great business. The, the, the best part, living in Los Angeles, the best part still was just about um, as COVID was hitting, my son came of age and discovered motorcycles. And, <laughs> uh, and, and we discovered that Los Angeles traffic dissolved into the, into the gutter and, and we went for rides all over the place and rode the daylights out of, uh, out of the year. It was great fun. Um, but yeah, no, on the business side of things, it was good. It was, it was. I'm, I'm very proud to say it's um, since since June 19. I'm still yet to make a phone call for business. It's still coming in. So yeah, <clears throat> you know, looking looking at the site, I'm I'm not surprised. Um, the site, the website is beautifully clean. Um, <clears throat> the photography, your photography is absolutely exceptional. Um, I, I don't know if that's I mean I mean I assume it's not you sort of wandering around a bike with a with a rag and an iPhone um, <laughs> actually sometimes it's precisely that, it does come to that but it's amazing what the iPhone 12 can produce these days actually, actually is. but but the photography is beautifully done and really detailed which must help but as a bit of a wordsmith myself I'm very impressed with just the the essay length descriptions and real care you put into these things you are not a crank them through by the numbers man as you said i mean you're not a, a barrett jackson or a meekin guy you are a take care of the take care of each bike and i mean you're selling them like they're your own from what i can see i i, I do own a lot of them i can sign i and i buy and sell myself um but thank you that's that's very kind of you but uh um, I started with Bentley sales management. I only know one way to do it. I really, right. I can't, I can't churn it through. I want, I like, I like the old fashioned way. I like to talk to people. Um, the new initiative that we're launching um, is online auctions, um, which starts on March 1st. And I'm getting calls from clients asking me about bikes, asking me about details on bikes, much like it was when I was at Bonham's. And, right. and I know the bike. I, right. I know I, knew, I know every one of them quite intimately. Even if I've never seen them, I've got bikes, you know, dotted around the country and around the world um, available to me and, and, and online and for sale. Um, but I know the people, and I've seen hundreds of photographs. They come from referrals from people who really do know what they're talking about. And um, so I'm just trying to keep the quality of the, the presentation high, right. so people understand what they get. You know, sure. a lot of these things. I call it the gamification of, of buying cars with, with bring a trailer. And it's all very exciting to sit there and watch the clock go down and press the button and beat the guy and spend another 250 bucks and 
but right. suddenly you spent 50, 100 grand on something and then the, the cold light of day slaps you with uh, now I've got to actually come through with this deal and buy it. Right. And, um, you know, I hear from a lot of people that things aren't necessarily as described. Um, yes. And, uh, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to overcome that but on an online platform and, and the way to do it, an awful lot of photographs, videos where, where possible. Um, <laughs> I do have a bit of a bone of contention with a walk around video. My iPhone wobbling around as I'm wobbling <laughs> around a bike versus 160 nice clear photographs is you know whichever way you want to go with it. But uh, but uh, no, just running videos if it if it starts and runs if that's important. Um, you know I've got I've got uh, my warehouse in the background there uh, is next to a shop that I, that uh, that um, you know right. we maintain everything. Right. So everything's within running running condition. Right. right. When you when you get offered a bike, do you Presumably, there's an awful lot of bikes that you you don't know. I mean, I mean, just looking at some of these really, you know, antique motorcycles that you've sold and these really vintage type of bikes. Um, clearly, you're not going to know everything about them. So you have ways of sort of researching them and getting onto experts. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, ten years of Bonhams. I, I I've never claimed to be an expert in motorcycles. I'm an expert in knowing who the experts are in motorcycles. Right. So I can go to people, you know, depending on what it is, Norton specific or pre-war or American or, or right. BMW, whatever it is. And uh, and we can dig out an expert and, uh, and right. people, people um, will chime in and tell me when I've got it wrong. And, right, and that's, sure. that's fine. Some, yeah, sometimes no, 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 they're a good. bit grumpy about it. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the anonymity of the, the internet means that they can actually act the way they, they want to in, in their own mind as opposed to being human, but that's okay. But meanwhile, there are some, some wonderful people that, uh, that, that correct me when I'm wrong. Yes. No, we, we definitely... I, I know it's a learning experience. I love to hear it. I, want, I, want to, I don't care if it's a box of parts that are mismatched um, versus, you know, uh, uh, the last crocker that was ever uh, ever built and, and just restored and everything in between. I just want to sell it for what it is. And I right. want the buyer to be happy because that's repeat business. Uh, I want the seller to be uh, honest and forthright and, and, you know, sellers traditionally aren't quite uh, that. Aren't quite. The aren't but, quite. They, but they are these days. They're, they're, it's much, it's much different. Yeah. Now, as, as a magazine, we've, we've definitely, certainly back in the print days when we used to do certain sort of antique bikes and in the end it just got too hard because we could never quite get it right and there's always some anorak out there who will you know write to the magazine and go the spread that you published in the august issue was a 1940 and a half not in, yeah. not a 41 as you claimed because it's got the slightly grayer front spokes on it you know and we'd be like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh no and we call it the anorak attack the anorak attack, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. Always you can always tell when the uh, when when the Bonhams auction went live uh, <laughs> online, um, and the next morning I'd walk into untold number of of, um, of emails. You see, the problem there is you've got a fifty six uh, fender on a fifty seven bike. You know, right. Oh, good lord. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it runs great. Um, <laughs> no, you know, those people are invaluable. They're, they're, they, um, it is. It's it a good sort of the bring a trailer comments section that uh, for good or bad, but that, you know, that can turn into an industry. Yeah. Yeah. Bad mouth sure. something badly enough and then someone sells it for cheap and it's right that, that's not but but uh but some some nice expertise sure um, is, sure uh, do you, do you sure do you um 
do you check out the sort of the provenance when somebody comes to you? I mean, we have a we have a mutual great friend, actually my my best friend in the world, Daniel Schoenwald, um, for instance, has you know the Steve McQueen Indian Scout. And if Daniel was to to bring that bike to you, would you really sort of go through the provenance on it and? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's not a question. Whenever you're selling anything like that, um, as I've always as I've always said, um, you know, if we can prove that it's it has whatever provenance it has, um, that's great. Now we've got to back it up because it's not about the guy that buys it, because hopefully I've got enough of a reputation um, that people know that I'm not selling something that it isn't, and my seller is is a good source etc but it's about his investment moving forward can we protect that investment moving forward is is he going to have the paperwork photographs of steve mcqueen on it with the engine number and and full full view or whatever paperwork he has um right and 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 that stuff's hugely important the paper trail is 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 enormous um, yes yes although actually technically um it was actually owned by a chap called steve mcquen Apparently, the lady at the DMV at the time, <laughs> the lady at the DMV at the time, couldn't spell McQueen, and so she, <laughs> so so the title is actually registered to Steve McQueen, <laughs> one e two n's. <laughs> wow! Wow! Oh my god! Oh, that's worth half of what he thinks. It's that's worth. that has got to be worth its weight in gold alone. I should think. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so uh so anyway it'll be interesting if he ever does decide to sell that and come across it but uh oh yeah yeah, yeah well, it, we, we, at, at bonhams we had a uh it was a, a I, I looked at it it was a very prominent seller um high profile high profile hollywood actor and and i'm like why are we not making a bigger splurge about this guy it was selling a car but is why are we not making <laughs> someone's pulled me to one side and said it's not the whoever it was it's a whoever he was it just happened to have the same name oh. so <laughs> let's let's go for it oh. yeah yeah very interesting so I, for me and, and forgive me if my perception is wrong but but my uh, perception of the success of an auction is is very dependent on how you can publicize it in other words you know, based on on the theory that you know you could have the, the cure for cancer, but if you don't know how to go out and tell people, it, it's not going to go anywhere. So right. how does how does Classic Avenue put its hand up to the general public, to the market that you're really trying to reach, and say, "Hello, we've got something really interesting here, and you need to get your skates on and check out our website, or come down and see it and get going," because I know you're going to want this. Well, any number of ways. We're 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 marketing and advertising as as hard and as fast as we can. I see. Um, starting with uh, all the the the, the ones, ones that I I just I just personally find them painful. The Facebooks and Instagrams. I'm I'm turning into a a, a posting fool at the moment. Um, <laughs> about it, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's part and parcel of the deal. It's the modern way, um, yeah. and it is good fun. I mean, it's it's great. It's 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 actually. I came to terms with it because it's a way to be truly creative. I don't have to take a photograph of a bike. I have to take a photograph of a cool thing about the bike, whatever that is, whether it's whether it's my son who was taking photographs or or you know a certain aspect of the bike that's kind of kind of cool. Um, right. You know, yeah, a sell, white, sell a sizzle, yeah. A, a white tank 
of, of a terrible BMW driven ridden by um, by 007, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, the, the more normal marketing and advertising outlets um, and uh, and then hitting the phones, um, slogging out to my database, been doing it for a long time, had a lot of people on the database and we're right. hitting the phones. And then everything from from quirky and weird things to you know fabulous podcasts with you know one some of some of the best magazines in the on the planet. Right, I'm sure there must be one or two out there. Surely, <laughs> if you know of any, let me know. Yeah, don't be looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might have a listener who who listens to all this drivel. But you know, if it, if she was still alive, it would be my mum. But anyway, that, that's a different subject. But. <laughs> That's but that's uh, that's interesting. That's great. The other thing is is that I'm always curious about, and, and again, it's possibly tied up partly in your reputation. Is do you ever work on the bikes? Do you ever get a, a seller come to you and go, and go, oh, th this bike's absolutely fantastic. If only you know the headlight worked, or if only you know it didn't have yeah, a misfire at three thousand revs. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Deceased estates are, are, are a fun one. I've got a um, a couple of bikes. And um, and at the very least, they needed one of them needed a detail, and, and the other one needed a full. We call it the get go, um, right. and and get it running. I don't want to. It, it depends on the bike. I mean, if it's if it's a you know very early pre-war bike that doesn't need to run because it's just going to be furniture and, and and art in someone's in someone's carriage house, then right. um, then yeah, we don't we don't necessarily need to. But um, but yeah, no, a lot of stuff. We like I said, we've got a shop next door that um, to to the warehouse there, and uh, and we work on stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. On a case by case basis, um, oh. uh, you know, depending on I don't you don't want me working on anything. I have a, <laughs> I have a tool chest with a dizzying array of hammers. <laughs> right. I can't fix it with one of those. It must be an electrical problem, in which case forget it. Right. Um, that right. is not my forte. I do not. I'm, I, I, I pride myself on being a, a perfect triple A mechanic. You know, give me some duct tape and a tie wrap at the side of the road. I'll get us home. But that's going to be about it. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, no, absolutely, we will work on it um, on a, on a case, but on a, on a return on investment. The case in point with the yeah. um, the Ducati, right. Uh, right. a Ducati that doesn't run, that's been sitting languishing for a few years, covered in dust, is worthless. You know, it's only going to cost a few hundred dollars to get it to uh, to run properly, and uh, and then we'll have something that's saleable. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so the, the the MV Augusta, there's no point in putting a, a, a service on that. It's a 2000 MV Augusta uh, F4 with four kilometers on the clock, um, right. never turned a wheel under power. So that just needs a detail. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I get it. And then uh, <clears throat> obviously the buyer then has the choice of, as to, to what they want to what they want to do. Exactly. It's <clears throat> and as much as you're into these sort of antique bikes, because obviously you've got some spectacular machines there for sale. I mean, that 1940 Harley Davidson, the blue one that's coming up in about a week or two, I was just uh, looking at that and I'm like, and I had to, you know, I was doing like the, you know, the Dr. Strange love thing with my right hand, you know, my right, I'm like, no, 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 Arthur, no, get away from that bank account. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> that's the business. That's my entire business model is you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, no. So we, I've, got to you, to, I've got to get you a beer for seven days straight and then uh, <laughs> see where we are at the end of it. <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous. But um, but I've noticed that that you actually do have, there's some there's some anomalies that have sneaked in there. 
I mean, there was a particularly nice 1975 RD 350, or is it 250? RD 350, 350, 1975, actually in immaculate condition. I'm like, whoa, mid 70s. Now we're talking my kind of era, you know, mid 70s. You know, let's oh, uh, let's see you come up with a couple of real nice, you know, Kawasaki Z900s. I happen to know a mutual friend of ours who's looking for 74s and 75s. You know, let's see a couple of nice water buffaloes in there. And oh, absolutely, know. without without doubt, it's it's uh, it, it, for the most part, it's what comes along. When I go buying, um, then it's then it's a little bit of a different story because I can I can chase those kind of bikes. But I think that I think those kind of bikes are, are moving quite strongly i've just i've got a um it needs right. a bit of work um some cleanup um but i've got a lovely 80 uh, 1980 katana um oh, really oh i love that thing uh, it yeah. transforms me back to the 80s when i was oh, when i was riding all that kind of nonsense well i i'm not a katana actually i couldn't afford a katana <laughs> no. i could only stretch to the gpz 900 but uh or the ninja as it is here but right. um but yeah no i jump on that thing and and i'm having all sorts of reminiscences and 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 <laughs> I, yeah. I sold my rc30 and i just i want him back oh my god uh, oh but, yeah 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 just a someone, someone showed me a profit and there's only one thing i can do then and i can't yeah. do it myself so right no yeah that, that's uh but all this stuff is going up dramatically and i see you've even got like a confederate hellcat has sneaked in there as sold and yeah, that, 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 was, know, that was a that was a gentleman, an English gentleman from Vegas who had managed to talk his wife into getting uh, letting him get back into motorcycling. So he bought a Confederate Hellcat, which was <laughs> nigh on impossible to turn around any kind of corner. No, um, you had to stop in the middle of the road and put your feet down almost. It was just a monster of a thing. But if you ever needed a building towed, then yeah. that was the bike to do it on because it had yeah than anything should ever have it's yeah i got i got to ride one of the originals around new orleans of all places you know wow. when they were being built back then and uh, uh yeah I mean, big awkward you know funky motorcycle with gobs yeah. of crazy power and yeah. i gotta tell you I, I sort of bizarrely i absolutely loved it <laughs> it was it was an experience it was a, it was a fantastic experience it was much like you it's like I get, you get to hand the keys back at the at the end of the day so you have a slightly yeah. skewed view on it but uh, yeah. i never heard from the guy again so i don't know what happened to him Blasting <laughs> up and down the the, the strip in in uh, vegas i think right 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 so so what what's next for for you for classic avenue and just more of the same onward and upward we're going to we're going to have a go at this uh this online auction platform, we're uh, we're doing it slightly differently. It's not um, I consign Mr. Caldwell's X Y Z bike and write about it, take photos, and throw it up immediately. I'm doing um, you know advance notice, so every few weeks, um, hopefully, we'll be doing an auction and uh, have a select number of bikes and, um, and and see if we can build that. That's the way I want to do it. I think it's it gives people time to. To think about it, to to come and see the bike, to talk to me about it, um, sells a lot of people have, and regardless of whatever financial uh, status they're in, they have a have a, uh, a point where one go, if one's coming in, one has to go out. Um, so it gives them an opportunity to do that, raise the money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so we're doing it a little bit, uh, you know, advance notice theory being every every few weeks or so we'll uh, we'll do an auction and uh, give people time to uh, to work it out and keep keep progressing on that there's the um, there's the showroom section on the motorcycles uh, as well for people that don't want to send it to auction 
Um, and uh, so we can do that the good old fashioned way, X dollars or best author and and I turn into a salesman. No, <laughs> I sell, I don't, I don't sell you the bike, sir. I help you buy it. You facilitate um, it. I do. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's just, but, uh, but you know, just a different, different scope on it and just keep going. I don't want to get out of the box at all, particularly. We'll, we'll do some events and some bits and pieces um, this year, but, uh, but no, just sort of head down and, and become a platform for people to buy and sell. Do you have a typical buyer or a typical seller or? I mean, is there a sort of a certain type? I mean, are we all just sort of grey-haired old? We all sort of grey-haired old fart? No, no, very much not. No, it's it's the uh, the, the Confederate was a hedge fund guy, um, nice. so we 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 run the gamut from from up that down to to you know the guy with the bib overalls with the bank of the mattress. You can't you can't knock that guy, and then and then the youngsters as well. They're uh, they're coming into the fold that are interested in in something that's slightly older, you know. And, and it's, I'm watching I'm watching my my son is my my um, benchmark for everything. Christian, God bless him. He's he's right. um, he's my market research, and I'm watching him. He wanted a, he wanted the crotch rocket, so we got the crotch rocket, and he loves the crotch rocket. It's great. Sure. But now he's sort of interested in an older bike. And right. interestingly, he's he, he likes old Triumphs, um, but right. he doesn't really want to kickstart a bike that leaks everywhere and all the rest of it. So now he's looking at you know the early two thousands um, uh, Bonneville. Yeah, yeah. And, then, yeah uh, and then you know, and I, I showed him you know you can hack it to pieces, turn it into a desert sled, or you know a, a, a cafe racer or whatever. So he's getting intrigued and, and interested in all of that stuff. So yeah, just trying to trying to keep it perpetuated trying to keep it live and trying to keep the, the youngsters uh, involved and interested and that's so nice to hear so, so nice to hear that that young people and are you, are you getting any um any sort of ladies coming in and, and buying stuff oh absolutely yeah yeah but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm always, i just did this as well we um uh, the gentleman that wants the lady to have the bike i think we all go through that we want the lady to have a bike and she doesn't necessarily want it but there you go but this right. guy it was um it was wonderful she was uh, she was quite short we had to do quite a lot of modifications on a on a late 60s um triumph um to uh, to be able to uh, for her to comfortably put her feet on the ground but uh, we were successful with it and it was uh, it was a wonderful thing that went off to uh, yeah. a gentleman in michigan well that's absolutely great so I mean, you know what the perfect number of motorcycles in a collection is, don't you? Just one more. <laughs> well, the, the key to it is if you turn them around every other one, you can actually jam another one in. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the key to it, yeah. yeah. Oh, believe good. me, I'm, I'm, I'm hated by wives all over the planet, actually. <laughs> so so do, you have any, do you have any advice for somebody who's really considering getting into something you know maybe they've maybe kind of a bit like your son they've kind of done the modern bike thing and they're thinking you know what there's some investment potential here you know let's just get one bike and sort of put it in the garage and I you know I, I don't know particularly what I want but you know I've got this amount of money to spend would you be able to sort of give them some advice yeah, absolutely. We built collections from from the ground up for people. I've done it many times. Oh, um, wow. Move slowly. Um, a lot of people. There's a natural progression where people, as they gain knowledge and taste, um, work out their own taste. Not necessarily gain it, but they but they they um, uh, they hone their own taste. 
um, they start off, you know, buying like a drunk sailor and going out and buying everything that looks pretty and that's what they want and, and they shove it away. And then as they learn, um, then that stuff, they sell from the bottom and buy at the top and, um, and progress slowly. So, so, you know, watch, learn, read, talk to people and, and discover what you like. I, we, someone else put a, a collection together for, uh, for someone of and the advice he was given very wealthy guy the advice he was given was to buy the very very best just to buy the very very best so he spent a phenomenal amount of money uh, <laughs> on on his collection ridiculous amount i mean just paying you know two three x what things were worth but got the very very best and then looked at it all and said i don't like looking at it i want to ride it uh -huh. so the whole lot was completely useless because they were just garage queens so we had to uh, we had to slowly you know sift off off the top and put in at the bottom with that one. So you know work out what part of the hobby you like. What you know do you like to tour? Do you like to race? Do you like to to go off road? Right. Um, old new. Right. British European American. Yeah. Etc. And and you know just work out what 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 makes sense and and put that collection together that makes sense. You know people that want. Every year, 60s triumph. Yeah. Okay. No, I understand, but you know, why? Right. Oh, sure. Probably okay. That's probably you know that's probably enough. Buy a right. off-road C or a TT and an and an on-road Bonneville or something, but that'll probably do you, and um, and then move on to something else. Right. Well, you know, without bringing up Daniel again, he he. Uh... He is he is exactly that he loves doing his what he calls his collections within a collection, you know, for instance, you know the Kawasaki 750 triple from the 70s. Um, he has one in every year and every color he has right. the full set right and he's now started off, he's now started on the 900s and so, he's got a lot of money and a lot of space and a lot of space. And then and the collection helps. the collection is beautiful. It does help. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's museum quality. Yeah. And, it's, and it's wonderful to see those. I call them poker hands. Right. Of uh, of, of machines. But if you're just built starting out and building, he started with one yeah. Z one and then went off and bought something else and, and then started to slot those ones in as as you know as money and, and space allowed. So now he's looking at the sort of the gaps and saying, right. you know what, I, I, this is this, I've got several of these, why not try and make it the full set, you know, right. your hand, right. yeah. He's having a sniff at the bike at the moment that, uh, that uh, we've just sorted out. <laughs> rather, uh, rather a nice, uh, will be rather a nice addition. Nice. Oh, I can't wait to see. Um, yeah, I, but I do know what you're talking about because, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time at the Barber Museum and there are definitely don't get me wrong the barber museum is jaw-dropping i mean it is jaw-dropping and and absolutely phenomenal and and uh, i have a huge amount of respect for the buyers and just what they've done but i have to admit there is a definitely a couple of bikes that i've walked in there and i've gone how did that sneak in here you know? <laughs> and to me, to me there's maybe because like you i think i prefer doing things on a smaller scale to me these bikes Motorcycles are all about emotion. I don't think people people rarely buy, or certainly in our world, people rarely buy motorcycles based on your head. You based on you base it on your heart. You're using other parts of your body. You're using other parts. Nothing's of your above body. the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. not much blood getting to the head. That's for sure. Yeah, no. Uh, no. 
and you look at something and for no good reason it speaks to you and and right. and your heart your, your pulse rate goes up and you're like i have no idea why but i want that bike and i just want to be right. able to look at it and and some and often ride it absolutely absolutely i was i was asked in an interview a long time ago uh, because what, when i was doing motorcycles with bonhams i still did cars um and someone asked me what the difference was and it took me quite a while to work out how to answer it and it was when car guys get together they talk about cars right. uh when bike guys get together they talk about their experiences on bikes and then halfway through the conversation someone will go and what were you riding right so it's a much more experience-based hobby um yeah by, by sheer nature you know everyone drives a car right but if you can get on any motorcycle get down the road get a get a coffee and get back without being killed then then you're a biker right it's an experience you're so much more you're just more connected to the environment you can right. you can you know smell the blossoms as you're riding along it's it's strange because i have owned convertible cars and somehow as great as they are the experience is not the same somehow it isn't a motorcycle you are completely immersed in the environment I've, I've always driven convertible cars and a friend of mine asked me once whether I knew how the top went up. <laughs> I mean, God help my, my head now, but uh, I have a hat collection. But right. um, but yeah, it's, it, it is different. There is something just much more tactile, much more engaging about the most, even though you've got your head in a plastic bucket. Right. Um, there is something that's, that's, that's very close to the environment and, uh, and it's a fantastic thing. It's There's much more camaraderie in it. It is, is wonderful. Yeah. Um, I took a triumph to Sturgis a few years ago, and uh, I was a little nervous about it. And <laughs> this massive, massive line of Harleys pulled up when I was at the side of the road looking for directions on my phone. Pulled up, and I thought, oh dear. And uh, and a woman with with a Harley trike with bingo arms um, flapping away <laughs> like this on, on her ape hangers, looked over at me and said, "Are you okay?" yeah uh yes thank you and they went okay thumbs up and off they rode I'm, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it is really a universal thing it's a it really thing. is it is a universal thing yeah yeah it's oh, yeah. um it's amazing i've always felt that motorcycles are the great leveler they really are yeah um you know, it's absolutely amazing yeah. yeah you can't you i mean you can't buy the talent with cars but you know a lot of people spend a lot of money on a car and because it's faster they are automatically faster but it doesn't work that way with a bike no you just no. you can't buy that it's 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 there and everyone has respect for it if you're not the fastest guy everyone has respect for that that's fine as long nobody as you're right cares. nobody cares yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, it's a, it's a great playing field awesome well um i wish you a lot of i wish you luck and success i think you're you've got the foundation for you know, for the next step. I mean, it really, I'm very impressed. Thank you, um, Thank you very much. Classicavenue.com is, is uh, I think it's, I think you're, you're going to do just very nicely. Well, is there anything on there you fancy? Yes. A lovely collection of dirt bikes coming. I'm going to be posting actually later today. Really? What sort of, uh, what years are those? General was into, uh, into small displacement Yamahas. So we've got some nice um, CS381. Um, there's uh, there's a DT1 coming. Um, really, that, that, that one's a couple of weeks away. Yeah. Actually, I might be I might be interested in in one of those. There's so much fun. There's so much fun. They've got an electric start. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're looking for like just a couple of little little weeny dirt bikes that we can shove into into the back of the toy hauler oh, and, and just uh, and just go buzzing around. That's actually that's fun. So funny you should mention that. Maybe I maybe I will. Um, we're uh, <clears throat> yeah. We we uh, growing up in England, we really didn't grow up with dirt bikes. You know, my wife oh, we really, really haven't haven't ridden them at all. Um, so it's something we've only discovered recently. We're in our 60s, so I'm not about to start doing, you know, attempting triple tabletop, you know, <laughs> <laughs> on a, on a CRA 450. So I just want to be able to trundle around fire roads and go and out and explore. Um, that was wonderful, yeah. We took a little, a couple of little dirt bikes out to Moab last year and just yeah. rode around on the fire roads. Had an yeah. absolute ball. We just freaking loved it. And yeah, like, no, we need to get a couple of these, and I don't know whether we should go to the expense of modern bikes or maybe just get a couple of early two strokes. And we don't ride them an awful lot. There's so much fun, yeah, definitely. Maybe we'll get to ride. Yeah. All right, <clears throat> well, thank you. I um, I love it. I, I'll look forward to seeing where it goes and uh, stay in touch and and uh, see what happens. Look forward to it. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity of this. It was great to see you. Great to see you too, Nick. Take care.